بسم الله الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى عليه وسبي أجمعين أشهر لا إله إلا الله وأشهر من محمد أبده ورسول You're listening to Today Islam and we're broadcasting almost live all the way from Masjid Aliman on Steinway Avenue in Astoria, Queens, New York. Alhamdulillah. See, if I stay here long enough, I'll remember the name of everything, you know. <laughs> what we're doing is a series of lectures in how to bring people to Islam, including ourselves. And we're particularly talking about how Muslims in America can talk to non-Muslims since the events that happened on September the 11th. And today, this date, is exactly one year later. This is September 11th, 2002. That was September 11th, 2001. For us, we don't celebrate birthdays and we don't celebrate Christmas and Easter we don't have Mother's Day or Father's Day because every day is Mother's Day and Father's Day to a Muslim and certainly we don't want to celebrate the death of 2800 innocent victims we don't want to celebrate that but we will remember, and not just once a year, but every day, we Muslims have been reminded of these events. The events that took place a year ago are still with us today, whether we like it or not. Because as a Muslim living in a non-Muslim country, where a lot of the attention is being focused on Islam, rather than on the perpetrators, the people who actually did this thing. Islam did not attack anybody. This is what we have to remember. Islam did not attack anybody. Islam, as we said in the beginning of this series, is actually a verb, an action, and it describes our relationship with Allah. So this fifth take, this fifth in the series that we've been doing, will, inshallah, help us to understand what to do next. We first proved that it was essential that we're going to have to do the da'wah or the call to Islam. Then we talked about how to overcome some of the difficulties in talking to the people next in the next part of the series, we mentioned what to do to begin the discussion with the people, and then what to do if they become interested in Islam and how to present that, how to give the shahada, and then how to introduce them to the salat. And that's what we talked about in the last session. This session, what we want to do is talk about something called kith, K-I-S-S. Keep it super simple. Do not complicate the message of Islam. So many people ask me over and over, what do I do if the person I'm talking to 
says this or ask that. And they ask me about why Islam does this and why does so-and-so and this and that. What we have to do is separate the message of Islam from what some Muslims do. What Muslims do is what Muslims do. But Muslims have been ordered by Allah to live a very beautiful and wonderful life serving Him. It does not include terrorizing people or oppressing people. Be sure we remember this when we're talking to the people. We must mention to them so that they know that our Lord, our God, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, said in his book, which was put up with him before he started the creation, before he started creation, and this is important for us to know, that he, Almighty Allah, does not oppress. And he says, and this is more or less the translation, my Rahma will prevail over my anger. He says that his mercy will prevail over his anger. So he is most merciful, most gracious. Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. This is Allah. And if we understand that, we know that we as his servants must always try to be merciful to others. He will ask us about this. So we want to communicate that as a part of the message when we talk to the people. So in this session, what I want to really want to deal with is that all through the time, from the time we meet somebody until they make shahada, until they start coming to the masjid, we talked about how to treat them and how not to mistreat them. But now, be sure to keep it simple. I'm recalling tonight, I've been thinking about this so that I could communicate this to you. I'm remembering 11 years ago, 11 years ago in July, when I came to Islam. And I'm remembering the people that I met and I'm remembering how I felt. And I've been a person before that, I knew a lot of people already. I knew about religion, I knew about Christianity. I knew a lot about business, television, music. Been all over the world. But yet, when I came into the masjid for the first time, I have to tell you something. And so I'm going to share this with you, and I want you to think, because this is the way it happened. My first day, I had never been in a mosque, ever. Never even saw one. Didn't even know what to expect. So I'm going to try to share that with you now in, in telling you, and I want you to think how it would feel. Because as I entered the masjid, we passed by the area for the wudu. And I saw all these shoes on the floor and shoes in the cabinet. And I was trying to understand 
what kind of business do they have where they need all these shoes? And my friend with me who took me to the masjid was telling me, take off your shoes. And I'm thinking, okay, why? But he said to do it, and I trust him. I trust him with my very life because I changed everything in my life to follow this religion of Islam. Then as we passed by the wudu area, one of the brothers there, a good brother, I came to know him very well later, but he looked at me and he said, are you a Muslim? Now I understood the principle of Islam already and I know that only Allah knows for sure who's going to Jannah. So I answered him, only God knows for sure. He left his wudu, he left everything and came to me and he said, No! You have to know. I said, What? He said, You have to know. Are you a Muslim, yes or no? I said, uh, Well, you know, really, <laughs> it's not any of your business. He said, This is a masjid. Are you a Muslim? I said, Look, you know, take it easy. So he takes me over and he sits me down and he begins to tell me about Islam. He said, Islam is the only way for salvation. And if you don't become a Muslim, then you'll go to hell. So the best thing you can do, even if you're not sure, is say the Shahada. And you say the Shahada, then either way, what have you got to lose? Because if there's no God or anything, you didn't lose nothing. But if you say the Shahada, and then you'll be a Muslim and then you'll be okay. Either way, you won't lose. And I was thinking, this guy couldn't sell a used car, man. This is a terrible way to explain this land. Now, my friend who brought me in didn't hear any of this. When he found out later, he went to this man and gave him a horrible hard time. But in the meantime, I was okay. I, I knew I wanted this land. I didn't care what this guy said, right? But I'm listening, you know. Can you imagine? Is this the way they call people to their religion? So then we got up off the floor and we started to go into the masala area, like where we're sitting here. Same colored carpet as we have here. Green. As they opened those big, beautiful doors, they were solid wood doors, like we have in churches. Very nice. And I'm fully expecting to see something very wonderful and elaborate because of the structure that building was so nice in Texas. It was nice. But when they opened the door, there was no furniture. No chairs. No organ. No piano. No stages. Just green carpet. And I looked, I said, what's going on? Somebody steal all your furniture? Is it new? You don't have it here yet? People are sitting on the floor. Everybody's sitting on the floor. The only thing was some bookcases with some green books. That's it. And a lot of people sitting around on the floor, kind of like, you know, rocking back and forth, reading these books. I'm going, what is this? 
And then my friend told me, okay, you know, just come in and sit down and don't say anything. And then one next time I'll tell you what to do. I said, okay, we sit down. Now keep in mind, I had a Catholic priest with me who had also come to Islam the night before I did. So we have the Catholic priest who is now Muslim and myself, preacher, come to Islam. They were sitting there. Okay, first time in the masjid. And then it filled up. It was so full of people. Then this man came in with long white robe, big black beard, and walked right straight up to the center part. And he stood up on a little tiny stairs, and then he sat down. And he said something, And everybody said, and then somebody stood up and said, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. And he gave the adhan. And then this man stood up again and he said, Inna alhamdulillah, na'maruhu, asta'inahu, astaghfiruhu. I said, oh my God. These guys are talking about taking over America. I said, oh my God, man, we've had it. And I was really looking around at my friend and looking, I said, oh, what are these guys? I'm looking, and the big beards, everybody's got beards, you know, typical terrorists everywhere. And I'm, oh boy, what did I get into? Ooh. And then he stopped. And the sweat was coming down his forehead, and he reached up, and he started to wipe it. And then he said, in the name of Allah, most gracious, most merciful. I said, huh? He said, the praise is to Allah. We seek his guidance and his help. And we seek refuge in him from the evil of our deeds. Whomever Allah guides, none will misguide. And whomever Allah misguides, none will guide. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu. I said, "Oh my God, they're back on the subject again. They're going to get us." And then he said, "I bear witness and open testimony." I said, "Wait a minute. Why is it when he's saying it in this other language, Arabic, I get scared? But when he says it in English, I go, "Yeah, I believe that." So through the khutbah. I tried to understand what's going on. And then he sat down, and I'm ready to go. And I realized nobody else is getting up, so I said, okay, I just sit still. Then he got back up again, and he started again. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ar rasulullah, wa ala alihi wa sabi ajmayina sharwala. I said, okay, here he goes again. Now this time I'm sure I said, that's it. He's talking about bombs. I'm sure that's bombs. Then he says, the best words are in the book of Allah, and the best guidance is to follow Muhammad. I said, why does it sound so scary? You know. And then at the end, he said, it comes salah. Somebody stood up. Okay, everybody stood up. I'm getting ready to go. But they're lining up, and people are like, oh, that's right, we've got to pray. I remember praying. We've been praying two whole days. I know everything about it now. 
So we line up, you know, and we're going to pray. But this guy on my right side, okay, I don't know him. The priest is next to me on the left. The guy on the right, I don't know who is this guy. He touched me. You know anything about Americans? Don't touch them. So I'm like, oh, excuse you. And I move over a little bit, you know. And he moved over again, right? Right beside me. He touched my arm. Well, why? He put his arm by my arm. And I moved over to my friend again. And I said, hey, this guy's touching me. He said, the guy on my side is touching me too. I said, let's go back in the next row. So we moved back. And then the rows closed in on them. And then these guys started touching us. And we moved back again. And those guys started. I said, what is it with these people touching us? And the imam said, Allahu Akbar. Okay, so we prayed, you know, stood there, went through the prayer, went through the motion and everything. By now, like I said, we were experts. Two days old in Islam, you've got to be, you know, you know everything. Right? <laughs> and then, when it was over, he said, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi. Okay, and we did that, whatever. I didn't really know how to say anything, so I just kind of went, whatever, whatever. And then, I'm sitting there watching these people start praying with their fingers. I said, look at this, man, what they're doing? Something with the fingers. You see people do this? Kind of like running their thumb around on their fingers and stuff. Everybody's doing this thing. Must be a nervous twitch. Then, now here's where it gets interesting. Remember the first time in the masjid, the president of the Islamic Society of XYZ City, I don't want to say the name, comes over and he takes the microphone. Bismillah, alhamdulillah. Assalamualaikum, uh, brothers. As we know, this community is our community. We're the Islamic Society here. There's some other people operating in our mosque who have no business in this place. You can take your business down the road, get your own mosque. You don't have to come in here and be doing your Islam. We have our Islam and just go on somewhere else. And then in the back of the room, against the wall, another brother stood up and he had a small portable amplifier with batteries and microphones. And he said, Wallahi! Wallahi! You are kuffar! And I'm going, what is this? And I'm, I don't really remember what they said. They started hollering at each other on microphones across the room at each other. You're the ones that are... No, we built this message. No, you started. And you get out of here. Don't you get out of here. So what is this? I haven't... I've never seen such a thing anywhere. Men in suits... In a place of worship, raising their voice in a church when you go in, it's the library. Nobody raises their voice except the preacher. And then he can scream like he wants to, but nobody else can do that. And I looked at the preacher and the priest that was with me. I looked at him and he looked at me. He said, what do you think? I said, I think we're in the right place. He said, why? I said, because I think 
that the devil doesn't want us here. And he's making these guys put a show on so we won't come back. And wallahi, exactly that's what it was. Because they had never ever done that before and they never ever did it again and they made up for it and they asked each other, forgive me, after the fact. But suppose, suppose it was somebody there they get scared and run away, they would never come back. It happened the very first time I ever went to a mosque. It was pretty scary. But I figured it out because I understand some things. One of the things I do understand since I was born, there's a God and there's a devil. Okay? That I understood from the, from the beginning. That's easy. And whatever you want to do that's really right, you're going to be tested in it. And that Islam teaches us that. So that was an experience that I'll never forget. I had a number of other experiences in the last 11 years. And I'm sure more things will happen again. But what I'm trying now to say is, for all of us, that we have to realize a lot of people are coming in the door that don't understand all your little local problems. And... I, the Juma time is not the time to get into that. I've heard imams in the Juma take advantage of the fact nobody can move, so they just release all of their problems and talk about all of the things that are happening in local politics and what's happening in the masjid, and nobody can move because it's Juma. But that's not the purpose of the Juma. There's a book in the English language written by Jamaluddin Zarabozo called the Fiqh of Juma. It's in two volumes. But the first volume is the important one because the second one is samples of some of the Juma, or the Khutbah. So what I'm telling you is you should read this. If you can get an Arabic version, it's okay. But the idea is to understand what's Juma all about. This is a gathering. It's an assembly of the Muslims coming together that they have to come together every week. They must come together. It's not an option. If you didn't pray Fajr here this morning, maybe that's okay. You should, but maybe, you know, you have an excuse. But there's no excuse to miss the Juma. You have to miss, you have to come for Juma. This is in the Quran. Now, why? Why? And in the book it clearly states that this is a chance for admonition for the Muslims. It means this is a chance for us to wake up, to think about what we're doing every week, how we can be closer to Allah and further from the Nar, closer to the Jannah and further from Jahannam. And that's the purpose of the Jummah. It must admonish us. So don't take this chance to bring the problems into the masjid and scare the people away. Muslims that are born in Islam have the same rights because they also are human beings and they can be scared away from the masjid too. So the message in this session is particularly clear. Keep everything simple and clean. When people come to us, 
show a good face. Be kind. Muslims are very kind. Be generous, and Muslims are generous. But be tolerant. This is one problem that we're starting to mess up on, is the tolerance for each other. You know the Christians are talking about tolerance all the time. They're saying about they have a tolerant religion. It's very tolerant. You can even change it if you want to. That we can't tolerate. But we must tolerate each other. We have to work with each other. There are many things you can do. You don't know that. But there are many things you can do to work with each other, to help each other to see the truth. And just because somebody happens to be from Pakistan, or Saudi Arabia, or Iran, or Egypt, you don't know anything about them just by their country. You don't know anything about them by their clothes. And you really don't know anything about them by where they put their hands when they pray. But if you give them a chance and be with them and take time, you can learn about them. Because maybe you'll learn something good. And if they don't know, if you know more than they know, then they need you. And they won't get a chance to hear from you if you scare them away. So this is a very important and crucial part of our being, is being tolerant of each other and helping each other get closer to Allah. I know that this wasn't as much instructional in this session, but still at the same time it had a heavy message. And that is to realize how to look through the eyes of other people. Since I came to Islam 11 years ago, I met a lot of wonderful people, a lot. But it's still true that when somebody comes to Islam, we have to tell them, don't judge Islam by what the Muslims do. Don't look at Islam based on me. Don't, don't, don't look at me and decide whether or not you want to be a Muslim. Because you'll be a Muslim your way, as good as you can, and you'll be as good as you can, but we'll all make mistakes. Don't think of Islam that way. And that's the advice we have to give the people. So when they come into Islam, be sure that you let them know that. And I, now finally, in the last part, I want to mention this. A new Muslim, and this also counts Muslims who wake up to the deen. Anybody know what I mean? Like they didn't ever pray, they didn't ever fast, they didn't ever... All of a sudden they want to be a Muslim. Don't scare them away either. I mean, if you don't know somebody, it, and I don't care how long his beard is, but you don't know him, then you don't know his background. He might have just started praying six weeks ago. So be tolerant. Take it easy. If he makes mistakes, ask him if he has some time to go sit with you, have a cup of coffee or something, and then get to know him. And don't say anything about the mistake. Take him to the imam and ask the imam about the mistake. I'm not sure where I'm supposed to put my hands when I pray. Imam, can you tell us? Because, you know, you're Imam. What's the proof in Islam that both hands have to be up at the same time? Huh? And the Imam will explain. And then if you said, well, I don't think the Imam knows the best way. 
guess what? Even if you are right, he's still the imam, and you don't have that on your neck on the day of judgment for saying something and you're not sure. You follow me? Take it easy, keep it simple, and let Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be the guide for all of us. You've been listening to Today Islam. We broadcast almost live right here on the Today Islam network, todayislam.com, where you'll find our website open 24 hours a day and always plenty of what? Free parking. You're right. And until next time, this is your host, Yusuf Estes, reminding you that it's only Allah that guides.